wherever you go, however you go. For energy on the go, it's got to be 5-Hour Energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 78th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today is going to be a magical day. EJ and I are talking about Game of Thrones, Warcraft, and Preacher. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host and movie critic, EJ Marino. If you have a question for the show, we want to hear from you. You can contact us three different ways. Send us a tweet comment on the podcast itself or send me an email at matt at popaxiom.com okay party people in the house i was on monkeys fighting robots earlier this week preparing for the podcast and i stumbled across this article actually i didn't stumble across it i mean i'm the co-founder of the website i was on it all the time it's called the five best on-screen female superheroes and it's by my co-host ej marino ej what inspired this article? Well, the casting or the rumored casting for Brie Larson, maybe being Captain Marvel or Miss Marvel, whatever her name is going to be for this MCU, it, it got me thinking, what's going to be the best superhero role? Because she's kind of an awesome actress, and I think she's going to do a great job. So I wanted to go through the whole history of female superheroes and pick which one I like the best. And it was a, it was a very hard decision to not put Buffy as number one because she is my personal superhero, but... Wonder Woman kind of owns everything. On-screen female superheroes. That's a really short niche list these days. Yeah, it's there's there's not a lot there that has been great because statistically they're pretty they get pretty the, the bad end of the shaft really like the males end up dominating it but we see someone like Wonder Woman and Batman v Superman who most critics have praised her before they praised the whole rest of the movie and I think that was pretty interesting and that's kind of it also kind of started sparking this is like who else has gotten that reaction and there's a couple people I feel like I've even missed now looking back so uh but I think my list was pretty solid I think Black Widow Okay, well, let's start with let's start with the list of what you yeah. got, and and let's try to go through this. Uh, you give honorable mentions to Mystique and Catwoman, and you're using Mystique from the new X Men, X Men First Class, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. I'm a huge Rebecca Romaine. It's not Stamos anymore, but her Mystique was was amazing for the first generation of X Men films. I'm not really all together on the direction that they're taking with Jennifer Lawrence's character of Mystique because Rebecca Romaine Stamos like owned Mystique and had like a sexuality to the character that was just unmatched. And then Jennifer Lawrence is just kind of frumpy as Mystique. 
not even just sexuality. She had badass fighting. She she was mistaken. I think uh, the only reason I really didn't get to name her because I think the term superhero really does think of good guys and the good. And she's only been really good in the second half of the X-Men franchise. But that, yeah, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is not my ideal uh, my ideal mystique, but she's done a really, really great job of keeping that character and being the face of the franchise for a while for until Jean Grey, I think, is going to take over and we're going to get once again an awesome Jean Grey performance. But that'll come later on in the list. And, and then, uh, oh. yeah, and Catwoman, Catwoman's awesome. Like, Michelle Pfeiffer, I mean, like. Because she does teeter on good and bad in that movie. And, you know, she's she she has heart. I think she's, you know, she's still kind of a, a, a like a little bit of a bitch, but she has some good heart to her. And it's Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. That's like the iconic Catwoman performance. And then you have the Dark Knight Rises Catwoman. Um, she was an awesome good guy, actually. I think she was a she was a good Catwoman for what that universe was. I'm not a big Anne Hathaway fan. I, I I can't get into her, but I, I I think she had a moment in that movie when she kicked the cane out from Bruce and like backflip out of the window, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, I kind of like that a lot. And uh, so she had moments for me. And I think she was a good uh, a good version of being a better, nicer Catwoman than the Michelle Pfeiffer one. No, Catwoman is the original anti-hero. When Batman started in the 30s, late 30s, and then the 40s, like Catwoman is the original Deadpool. You know, I mean, like a, a little sarcastic, kind of same outfit, more or less, you know, except she- I mean, there's only so much you can do with spandex over the past 75 years. <laughs> she fills it out a little bit nicer than Deadpool does. But yeah, yeah, she was that always that perfect like in-between character. And she she worked for Catwoman. Good, bad. She did what needed to get her ahead in life. And I always respected that. So, And I think that's why it's always hard to put her on a good or bad list because she's her own thing. She is Catwoman, and that's so awesome about her. Let's start your list. At number five, you have Supergirl. Oh, yeah, not the 80s Supergirl. Oh, uh, Helen Slater was the best. Yeah, with that Faye Dunaway cast, that movie was ridiculous. But no, the new Supergirl on CBS, now the CW, is awesome. She is Supergirl. She, I, I mentioned it, she's awesome and strong and really, really like a good fighter, but she's kind of dorky and she's kind of nerdy. And I think that's the perfect mix for a superhero. I think she embodies um, uh, Kara Zorel perfect. Why are the Glee cast members becoming good superheroes? I don't get it. Yeah, because they had to deal with singing on Glee, so they're rewarded in life by now being amazing superheroes. One of my favorite actresses in the world of acting is Framke Jansen, and you have her at number four on your list. Talk to me about Framke. Um, I've loved her since I first saw her on Nip Tuck and she played this transgender like psychopath and I just fell in love with her and then she was on X-Men and I I adore her and I think she was a perfect Jean Grey because she brought a maturity to the character. She brought some good acting and then we get to the last stand and our acting gets a little wonky and she just kind of becomes a Magneto lackey, but awesome performances. And I think Sophie Turner, she... She's a she's a good she's a good version of like an eighties kind of one. I know her accent sucks and you know, but I, I can't wait to see another Phoenix saga and I think that might be better. But Famke as Jean is the reason Jean's on that list, because she is so good. I watched Days of Future Past like a week ago, and I cannot believe how amazing that film is. And we talk about like the Avenger films and pulling all those different films together to make one giant Avenger film, but Days of Future Past brings together two different X-Men universes 
so amazingly. I did. I was. I was watching it, and I was like, "Wow, why isn't this like in the top five of like superhero movies?" And it, it. I don't think it gets enough credit for what it is, and hardly ever. This was just kind of thinking after I saw the film, and how it all panned out. Like X Men Two or X Men Last Stand is a horrible movie. It's a horrible movie, and as a fan, there's like no way to kind of repair that bridge that was broken. Yet they figure out how to repair that bridge in Days of Future Past. And then you see Cyclops show up, you see Frank Jansen show up, and everything is good in the world again. And I can't believe they pulled that off. Yeah, that was a, that's a filmmaking like magic because that rarely happens. We've seen kind of, I think, what they've handled the Hulk awkwardly at first when, you know, in the Marvel Universe when we had to go from, you know, switching roles and then re- recasting mid and then to see something like, X-Men bringing, like you said, two universes together. Genius. I, I, that Rarely does something that perfect happen. And then to see Frankie Jansen at the end of it, I was like, oh, that's my yeah, that, girl. Yeah, that scene's so beautiful. Like, just her, like, with Wolverine and them. It, it was such a, a good way of, like, like you said, repairing the horrible mistake that was The Last Stand. What I want to see if they do a Dark Phoenix saga is I want to see Sophie Turner as, as Jean Grey. But I want to see Framke Jansen, like, in her head being like, you need to be evil. Like, her playing the evil Phoenix, that would just be pure awesomeness. I mean, because people are like, oh, she's old and blah, blah. Hollywood's like, oh, she can't play the Phoenix anymore. But it would be amazing to just see her be that manipulative evil Phoenix force in Sophie Turner. And that's what, that would be an amazing X-Men film for me. Yeah, that's the perfect fan service. I think I agree with you 100% to make her the Phoenix Force, like the embodiment of it. Genius. I think that that would be so awesome to see. All right, Hollywood. That's why you should have me direct films. That's why. Right there. (laughs) Number three on your list. You have a Scarlett Johansson on your list. And that would be Black Widow. I have a Scarlett Johansson. I debated putting a Lucy on the list. Or even in the honorable mention, but then I've remembered Scarlett Johansson has carried that Marvel franchise on her back, and she's done a great job of from Iron Man two when she pepper sprayed that one guy and then did all those flips and kicks. She she won me over from there, and she's just gotten better. And I really hope she gets her own solo movie because I think Scarlett Johansson now is an actress in Hollywood. She carries weight to her. She 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 can be in a movie, and we're going to take it seriously. And I and I like that about her. And I think. She's worked very hard to get Black Widow to where she is now, and I respect it. You should watch some of her earlier indie films. When she's, like, 16, 17, she is amazing. And she's done—she did this Searching for Bobby Long with John Travolta, where he's just kind of, like, a drunk writer in a room in, I think, New Orleans. And she plays, like, this 17-year-old girl just trying to, like, keep him alive, the sarcastic sidekick kind of thing. It's just an amazing film. That was the first time I remember seeing Scarlett Johansson like on the screen, and then she's just kind of blown up from there. I love Black Widow. I, you know, you pick you pick the picture where I'm not a big fan of her hair in that one. <gasps> she she has the mid part lace front. Don't get me started on my, my gay critique of how amazing that that hair and that wig was because her hair and wigs and all those Marvel movies have been stunning. But I, she that Winter Soldier Bob is it's it's iconic to me. I'm a fan of this the shorter look, more full action for the hair for me. Uh like Storm Storm in in uh in uh Days of Future Past has the amazing cool short hair badass uh look going on there. 
I about Black Widow, I I really like what they're doing with the character. I, I still feel like she's kind of like all over the place, but I do like the fact that she is in almost all the films now. She's replaced Samuel as Jack, Samuel L. Jackson as the person that like care, connects all the films together. And I hope that they give her a solo film. I, I don't think they'll do it, but because Marvel or Disney just doesn't have confidence in female characters for some stupid reason. Yeah, the brand that built themselves off Disney princesses now doesn't trust females to sell their movies. I always think it's a very odd thing of what they do. But once they started picking up very nerdy properties, they they started gearing them towards boys. And I get it. Boys sell it. But, like, there there's the people like me. Like, because the next on the list is, like, you know, people like Buffy and people like Black Widow. They keep me interested. Like, I think they're awesome. And they're, like you said, she's carried and kind of intertwined all the movies together perfectly. Yeah, I think Black Widow is... Like awesome, and I really, really hope they give her the respect and give her a good solo movie. Your number two pick here. I'm very upset that you didn't use a picture of Christy Swanson. <laughs> I don't acknowledge Christy Swanson as Buffy ever, even though Josh Whedon like wrote the film and it's still in the Whedon verse of Buffy. Sarah Michelle Geller is Buffy. Sorry, anyone else? I'm go older home. than you, and I worked at a video store when this film came out, and I think I actually saw it in a theater. Can't, don't quote me on that, but I know I definitely watched it in the video store a million times because this was Paul Rubin's like return to film after he masturbated in a theater in Sarasota, Florida, which is down the road from us. I don't know if the theater's still there, but I, Paul Rubin is still there. But this was his return to fame, and then he has like an epic death scene that takes like 15 minutes for him to die in it. I think it even rolls after the credits. He's still dying in the film. Luke Perry in his heyday... Um, Donald Sutherland as as the main zombie or not zombie as a vampire killer. It's an amazing kitschy film that then launches the Buffy the Buffy Summers Buffy the Vampire TV series that launched CW because that was it was the WB. I forgot what they called it before then. It was it, the WB and it was like the Warner Brothers station basically. Had the little frog, the little dancing frog. Yeah. And the, yeah, no, this and it lasted forever, and it and she died, and then she came back on a different series. And it, it's you can, there are Buffy like conventions just dedicated to how awesome this character is. Yeah, um, and that's why I thought it was going to be kind of a hard thing to sell her on a list because she is technically a superhero. I know a lot of like I said, comic book purists aren't going to dig it, but she that movie launched something awesome, and that TV show is '90s gold. I think. There was a point where Buffy was a pop culture phenomenon, and rarely does that happen for a female character and a female superhero. And she she's awesome. And yeah, that '90s movie is by far one of my like as as bad as it is as a Buffy thing. It's so funny, and uh, we got I think David Arquette's in it as a vampire. Yeah. Paul Rubens is like that trashy hair. I think Luke Perry's in it as well. And it's funny because then they would reference like Luke Perry a lot on the '90s Buffy the TV show as like this hot guy. And then I'm like, oh, it's just Whedon being the awesome Whedon he is. And it, yeah, I think Buffy is, she was so, like I said, she was so hard for me to not put number one. Cause she is my favorite superhero. But you can't replace Buffy with the person that inspires Buffy. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're number one. You have wonder woman. Yeah. Uh, from TV show to comic book character of wonder woman. She, she's the number one, like, and now with Gal Gadot playing her and doing a great job, 
yeah, Wonder Woman inspired. Like I said, she inspired Black Widow. She inspired Buffy. She she's the she's the archetype for female badasses. I was going going through your list, and I was trying to find other superheroes that had were were female and had TV experience or film experience, and there really isn't a lot to kind of add to this list. The the only one that I thought might should get could possibly hit the top five or solid honorable mention was Hit Girl from Kick-Ass, Chloe Grace Mortez. She's amazing as the character, and Hit Girl in the comic books was just pure amazing, just out of left field assassin craziness. Then they made the films, and they were okay. I don't know if you could translate what they did in the comics to TV or to film, and it kind of it, it worked, but it still was kind of awkward. But, like, she was amazing, and I, she has a, she's the only one who I thought had a chance of making it into the top five that you didn't mention. Is there anybody else that we forgot? Yeah, Hit Girl, I think, is one of the few ones I, I did forget. Um, Storm is an awesome superhero, but the Halle Berry performances really weren't up to par with putting her on the list of, like, on-screen performances. Um, they assassinated the rogue character from X-Men, so she's someone that I can't put on the list because Anna Packman didn't really do a great job. She ended up redeeming herself as much as I like her on True Blood. But, uh, yeah, I... Yeah, so there's there's not really much else to put on. Like, you know, with things like Wonder Woman, I got to mention like Linda Carter's performance and Gal Gadot. So yeah, there's been a few that's played by multiple people, but there's not really many other singular female superheroes. Yeah, the only ones that come to mind for me is uh, Laura Croft, but that's that's a video game. I, I mean, there probably was a few comic books here and there. Uh, I really love Kate Beckinsale in the Underworld franchise. Alice from Resident Evil. Alice from Resident Evil. Uh, there's another, there's an underworld coming out this fall. Like, yeah, they, that franchise will not die. It's, it's okay, I guess Resident, it is. Resident Evil will definitely not die, but underworld somehow kicking and screaming is, is pulling out another one with cake Beckinsale coming back in the helm. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else, but no, it's, I'm hoping, you know, we have, and, and we can't, we're not involving any of the star Wars stuff yet, even no. though there are star Wars comic books, but it's. Star Wars gets enough of its own credit. I feel like that's why we didn't involve that there. Yeah, because and even to put it in it, it would be Rey. Like, Leia's awesome, but Leia's not like the superhero where, you know, some of the, the in the TV show, like the animated ones, they've had good females, but Rey would be the only one who could uh, probably make it. And Princess you know, Leia does kill Jabba the Hutt. She does. And from what I've heard is uh, Carrie Fish also did that while tripping on acid because she hung out with the... Um, the Blues Brothers right before that, so awesome performance there. But yeah, yeah, I, I she she is a superhero in her own right. But no, it, it would have to be Ray if any Star Wars character can make it. Ah oh, man, yeah, no this this whole generational thing of like who's better, who's not. I love the list. It's a great list. If you go to monkeysfanrumors.com and check out EJ's section, you can find the list. It is the five best on-screen female superheroes. Check it out. Up next is Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is winding down. Episode 8, no one was this Sunday. And The Hound returned. We only have two episodes left in the Game of Thrones season. EJ, this is going to get really dramatic or really disappointing over the next two weeks. I, I hoping for dramatic because I think the this whole season's been kind of on a, a good note. Game of Thrones is at such a high bar that their worst episodes are still pretty good episodes. But 
Yeah, I, I think episode nine, they, they've started setting up a lot of stuff like Marjorie with the, the sparrow and Arya's fate now being left up and the hound returning. There's a lot happening that I think is going to blow over. And hopefully episode nine is their usual epic episode. You talk about the hound, but how glorious was it, even if it was for one episode to have Ian McShane in the universe? Ian McShane is such a fit for the the Game of Thrones universe. Uh, he's as like how awesome Sean Bean was the first season, um, and he he's a perfect fit for it. And then to see Ian McShane, even if for one episode, it it was awesome to see. The only problem I have with him being in the series is that he just towers above everybody else with his ability to just give amazing speeches. Yeah, he was on one episode of American Horror Story as like an evil Santa Claus. And he, he on that show that has Jessica Lange eating up screen, Ian McShane was just as good. And then to see him on Game of Thrones, I'm like, damn, you're so good. You're so much better than everybody else. And then he's gone. And maybe that's why he needed to leave in one episode because he would end up taking over the show. The rumor is, is after this season, there's only 13 episodes of Game of Thrones left. They're going to have two short seasons. Are the places are are the pawns placed to start heading towards the end game of the show? I don't think so. I think uh, I think the show has a lot more it could offer, um, and I don't know why they want to start shortening it up because I think the interest is still there. But where they are now is an okay start to it. But uh, I think those thirteen episodes could be used to place it to a great spot and then get us to the finale. But we'll see what they do, because the writers have always been pretty good with timing. So we'll see how they go, because they're not like, a, like you've complained about the CW shows rushing. Game of Thrones isn't like a rushing kind of show, so it's going to be odd to see them kind of quicken up their pace. And then, again, we have two episodes left in this season. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Is Are the Starks finally going to all get together? Uh, is are, What's going on with Arya? You got dragons on one side, you got White Walkers on the other thing. You got all the bull crap and where King's Landing with the Lannisters and, and and as soon as as soon as dragon shows up, your whole entire like god clause like goes out the window. As soon as zombies and dragons show up, the whole high sparrow thing is just useless. It's kind of a metaphor for what's going on in the world today. As soon as as soon as aliens show up, you know, that whole like the Pope's gonna be like, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that's really funny, and uh, it, it's very funny. We're going to see his world crash with Marjorie, you know, being shady and not really selling out, and then Cersei's going to still want her revenge somehow, and then we have dragons and zombies on this end. Yeah, that man's world's going to the he's going to shatter. So I can't wait to see him get his just horribleness because it is a good comparison to uh, the religious the religious right thinking that they have so much power and realizing things like gay marriage are passing and how much they try to oppress it in the show. I, I think it's an awesome real-life metaphor that they're doing on the show. Um, but you also forgot to mention my favorite part of this episode, the new queen that we got introduced to. Oh, no, I was going to give you the honor to talk about her. I just I, I was I just bubbling with joy with seeing this Wednesday Adams 10-year-old be a better queen than I've seen some of the other queens in the show be. She had power. Awesome. She had 63 fighters to give. Not so awesome, but hey, you know, not that bad. I really liked in the episode. It was kind of formulaic, but I liked when John, like, it was Jon Snow, Sansa, and Davos. They were walking around trying to get the different houses to commit. And, and when Jon Snow talked to the Wildlings, it worked. But then when Jon Snow talk, talked to a different house, it didn't work. And then Sansa had to talk. And then when our little queen came out, all three of them tried to talk. And 
Davos was the only one who could get through to her because he had a different understanding. And I, I that for me was kind of formulaic writing, but still smart writing in how the communication. I love how people understand communication differently. And, and that hit a keynote for me. Yeah, and I think we've never really got to see someone kind of admit that they need help and then go to ask for different help, uh, you know, ask for different help at different houses. And I think it's pretty cool. And I like that Jon Snow is kind of fulfilling this Jesus prophecy that now he's trying to bring everyone together. He's come back from the dead. It's very interesting to see his arc and that little the crew he's building. And I, I, I really like his whole character arc after coming back from the dead. I didn't think they were going to do this well with him. I thought kind of once they killed him off, maybe that was going to be the best thing for his character. And no, this, this whole route of trying to like, you know, like unite the North and get everyone to help out. It's going to be awesome. And I can't wait till he mixes with the Daenerys Tyrion crew. Cause that can make that even stronger. What are your expectations going into episode nine? Um, I want to find out what's happening with Arya. I think there's some magic happening with the faceless people. I, I think there's some craziness going on there, so I really want to see more of that. I want to see Marjorie finally turn on the High Sparrow and show them that she is not a sellout. And I want to see the king die. We say it every episode, every time, but that guy needs to go more and more. Can't wait to see him go. I, it's going to have nothing to do with the, the greater good of the whole entire story arc, but I can't wait to see the Hound go on a rampage next episode. I really hope he does and just slaughters whoever he needs to slaughter because I think that's where the Hound is at his best. Uh, I just, I, 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 I'm very worried that it's going to be a blase end to it. And I know Game of Thrones is going to bring the thunder, but I mean, there's been enough killing. There's been enough, there's been enough cliffhangers to where how do you how do you peak past killing Jon Snow last season to then grow even higher this season? And I don't know if it's something that you do. I think you kind of maybe just set up the end game for the 13 episodes that remain. Yeah. Setting up end game would be the best thing unless they have one more ballsy move that we really can't think of and expect, which would be awesome. But yeah, I think setting up the end game is the best route they need to. And they, they're at a good spot where, like I said, they can start pushing in that direction and let's see what they do when they have to quicken their pace and, Give us some good, quick episodes. If you have a question or a comment about Game of Thrones this season, you can send us a tweet at monkeys underscore robots. You can comment the podcast itself, or you can send me an email at Matt at Popaxium. The World of Warcraft universe comes to the theater in a very CGI flick that we saw on Tuesday. I sort of liked it and sort of had no clue what was going on. And then the audio in our theater was really messed up. So it kind of put me to sleep too. It was just, I, I knew the movie was, the problem is, is everybody said the movie was going to be bad before you even walked into a theater. So it's really hard to walk into a theater with an open mind about a film. But I thought there was going to be like orcs and fights and lots of good stuff to kind of keep me together for the film. And, and it's kind of just, eh. Yeah, for a movie with war in the name, we got one kind of decent war scene and the fights weren't that cool. And like, I, I agree with you. I, I don't hate the movie and it's, I will admit it's a bad movie. I gave it a four out of 10 on my review. I don't think it's a, a great film, but it's fun. And I think there there's some moments that if it was a little cleaner and a little bit more polished, maybe a different director, a better script, 
there could be a decent movie in there. And it, it has it has shining, tiny little moments like orc designs. Orcs are gorgeous in that movie. And other than the weird Paula Patton half hybrid, half human that I don't think work well, the, the CGI orcs are gorgeous. And th- there was moments. Captain Kirk would have been all over her. Green skin and all that. That's a Captain Kirk special if I ever saw one. The, the, I really... Some people bash the CGI in this film, and I'm like, it is it is what it is. I mean, you're trying to create a brand new universe, and you, you only have a certain amount of money, and I, I, I think they did it well. There are a few scenes where they're jumping on and off of a flying bird, lion mix. The hippogriff from yeah. Harry Potter, basically. Right. <laughs> and that kind of had a little awkwardness, but that's because you have live-action people jumping on and off of an inanimate object that you're kind of making... Into and this is where I think people get really spoiled. In because I, I know Dewey was talking, about, he's like, "Oh, the CGI was just horrible," and I was like, "No, actually, it's not. Actually, it's really good. We're just getting spoiled." Like if you, I was watching, I watched Lost in Space from like '99, the old, you know, and and that's like when CGI first kicked in, and I was like, "Oh my god, this reminds me of Tron from 1981," but it's you know. 20 years you know you just 20 years later things have changed and they they keep growing and this cgi 20 years from now will probably look like a joke but at this time i don't think it was as bad because there were still some scenes like where and i I, i'm not gonna remember anybody's name but the orc mom is carrying the baby and they're by the river and i was like wow that looks you know that river looks real because it probably was real and she looks real in the water and the water's rippling off of her and and then she made her stand and then they you know stuff happens to her bad Bad stuff happens to her. <laughs> uh, but that CGI, I thought it looked really good at that moment. So there was good points. Because I'm always comparing everything back to Batman versus Superman because that's our that's kind of our bashing movie of the year, except for you. You love it. And I love that you're defending it a lot more lately. Um, but there are clear moments in that film where you're like, oh, my God, that CGI is so bad. Yeah, that's like a Zack Snyder note that sometimes I think he he dips into cartoony where a lot of the, it's so based in realism, it's so good, and then he does a super cartoony moment and we're like, what the hell, Snyder? Like, you're a little bit better than that. Where, yeah, and I completely agree with that. I think Warcraft doesn't have bad CG, but when it mixes with practical effects, it's it's kind of laughable. And I think that was what really took me out was to see it get into moments where, like, they would go hit an orc and you can kind of see them slow down to hit the prop. It, it was just little moments like that, I think, kind of took me out. But overall, the orc designs, they got close ups and you could see little fibers of hair and the tattoo. It was beautiful what they did CGI wise. And yeah, like you said, we are spoiled. We do expect great CGI every time. And then, you know, even what we consider like talking about like T2, people think that CGI is great. You see it now and it's, it hasn't aged that well. So you like, this isn't going to age well in years, but at the moment it's not a horrible CGI. It just needed some fixing when it got to practical. But what I'm hearing, cause I took my friend Tony to see this movie and he's a huge world of Warcraft player. He enjoyed the film. He kind of explained where it was in the story arc and everything and like you said in your title of your reviewee, re- reviewee, uh, apparently it's a Dewey review, but what you said in your review is that it, you felt like it was an inside joke. And so the people that play World of Warcraft are going to enjoy this film. And I, and I think that's awesome. Like, I, I've got a lot of, like, kind of hate where they're like, well, this is for the fans, and I'm, I'm admitting it's for the fans. I, I want it to be for the fans. Trust me, as a fan of, like, a lot of comic book properties or a lot of video game properties to see them not adapted very well. 
it, it was awesome to see something that I walked into and like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. And I admit that I do. And I admit that that's kind of cool. And I, I'm glad there's a fan service because I even know a little bit from the game, like some of the magic spells looked very accurate. Some of the orcs were very, very like accurate to game orcs. And I, I give them credit for that because that rarely happens that fans get something for them. Are you a World of Warcraft player? Are you going to see this movie this weekend? If you do, we really want to know what you think about the film. So send me an email or send us a tweet at monkeys underscore robots or comment on the podcast if you loved it or hated it or whatever you think about the film or anything we've talked about previously. Comment on the podcast. Just tell us your thoughts because we want to talk with you. The second week of Preacher and it took forever because of the holiday to get here. Preacher... Episode two, I just love the universe that Seth Rogen has created. And I know Garth Ennis created this universe and it's now on AMC, but I purposely did not read the books and I'm not going to read the books because I just want to enjoy the ride that was going on because episode two, I have no clue what's going on. Everything's crazy. Everything is new characters are coming in. Some weird shit is happening. I know where the answers are and I can find them if I read the books, but I don't want to read the books because I want to enjoy this show. And EJ, you were kind of like lost in this episode a little bit, were you? Uh, yeah, and to go kind of back to what we were talking about with Warcraft, where uh, I got thrown into now this Preacher universe, and I, I, I kind of get what's going on, and I, I don't mind being lost in this as much, because I feel like we're going to have the time to get explained. But with Warcraft, I'm like, well, I don't even know if we're going to get a sequel. So how am I going to get more explained where I know Preacher is going to start building on this universe. So I don't mind being lost. But hey, I thought the episode was it was an OK episode. Um, there was really good highlights. Like I got another awesome fight scene. If they keep giving me a good fight scene every episode, they're going to have me hooked as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I will admit that I was kind of lost. But that chainsaw, chainsaw fight scene is the best shit I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it, it's hard to do something. It's hard to top your first thing where I thought that plane fight scene where he, like, stabs him with a champagne bottle and pours it out. I was like, oh, that's going to be the best thing they do on the show. And they do another fight scene. I'm like, damn, Preacher. Okay, uh, I see what we're doing. And I love that he was, like, cleaning up his mess and he opened up the door and he was like, the sun's coming up. And he's like, fuck. He's like, I can't go bury the bodies because the damn sun. And then... I have no clue what's going on with Jackie Earl Haley's character and his whole entire, like, crew of guys who beat the shit out of each other. What was going on with that? Yeah, I don't know if Preacher was going to introduce this Jackie Earl Haley fight club, but um, I kind of like it. And, he, yeah, this is another character, like, if we kind of would have read the comics, we would have had some idea of what's happening, but we just see this weird thing happening, and... It, it, it's fun, and you were very happy to see Jackie O'Haley be on the show, and you were talking about you wanted to see him last week. So do you think he, like, lived up to your expectations of being on the show? I have no clue what's going on. I mean, like, he's like, listen, sign these papers and walk this way. And then the house is demolished, and I was like, oh, the poor Native Americans. What did we do now to them? And then his employees beat the shit out of each other where I'm like, I don't and this is I knew that this world was bizarre because I worked at the comic book store and people talked about this all the time because like, it was already out already and people talked about how good it was and that you need to read it and I, I kind of know that they're I, and I know that they're supposed to be eventually on a quest to find God eventually that's all I really know about it and I know about our space because you know he shot he's kind of the the most dramatic looking character and and in the comic books he, he shoots him he tries to commit suicide and it's more of a nirvana 
Kurt Cobain 90s-ish thing kind of going on. And the world was a different time then with the dot-coms and the war in Iraq, which kind of isn't so different from where we are now. But, you know, history repeats itself. That's a whole other story. So I kind of know, like, the nuances of it. But I, as far as, like, what characters do, what their motivations are, like, all the different, like, cliffhangers. Like, like I know Walking Dead. I know all the different cliffhangers that have what happened in Walking Dead because I've read the book. But with Preacher, I ain't going there and I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And you talked about, like, not knowing so much in episode two and kind of, like, blah. But I'm trying to think back because in our, in our Facebook group for Monkey Spider Robots, somebody mentioned Lost. And the first season of Lost, nobody had a clue what was going on. And we kind of just, like, took it. And this was kind of before social media hit. And, and do you think our viewing habits have changed? Well, season five, no one knew what was happening on Lost. Don't give it season <laughs> one. Like, it, it's ended and still people kind of have no idea. So Lost is a funny thing to compare it to. But yeah, I think it is interesting that we, we kind of assume that we're going to know anything. And it goes a lot back to what we were saying with Warcraft, that we're, we're spoiled because we've read most of the source material or it's, it's a familiar story. We're preacher. We have no idea. We don't know anything about the preacher's powers. We don't know anything about the vampires somehow being in this mythos. We don't know what the end goal is. And I think it's refreshing. I don't mind being a little lost, even though if I thought the episode was kind of meh. It's interesting to be in the state because, like, like I said, everyone knows everything now. And this is one thing that no one really knows a lot about. And it's awesome. And if we get another kind of like random ass episode next week where you don't get a lot of questions, like how many episodes do you think you could handle before you like? need answers um about halfway through the season if i'm starting to not really get what's happening and i don't think i'm a dumb viewer like i write screenplays myself i've seen so many movies and tvs i get it but i i, I want to be able to like kind of fully invest myself in the universe so i'm gonna give him like the halfway point to see how i feel if you are watching preacher and you're enjoying the show or you have questions about the show you should send us a you know comment or you should send us an email. I mean, EJ is kind of lonely on the weekends, and he would love to respond to emails from our listeners and, and try to figure out what's going on in Preacher. I mean, I, that's the thing is I want to figure out what's going on in Preacher, but I don't because I want to keep it fresh. This is one of the, it's one of the few opportunities in, in cinema right now where I'm like, I'm going to keep this. I want to keep it very, very virgin. I want to keep it very, very, in, you know, my knowledge. I don't want anybody to ruin it for me for this show because... I think there's going to be some amazing things to happen. I completely agree. And I can't wait to see what the show will actually do once we start getting answers. And it's how I've always felt about Game of Thrones. I have no idea what's going on in Game of Thrones. And I've enjoyed the ride. And I feel like I, if I look back to how I felt in season one, I was still lost. So I, I'm glad that I feel this way because it, it's keeping me intrigued and pretty sure. So we'll see. We'll see what next week does. And I, I hope I can keep liking it. Well, next week. We have Central Intelligence, and I know that you are super excited about this film. Oh, yeah, because I love Kevin Hart <laughs> so much. He's my favorite actor in Hollywood right now. No, I can't stand him. Um, I'm a big fan of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Hilarious. Once he um, switched from wrestling to movies, it was a natural fit for him. He's doing great. So I'll, I'll go and support it because I love The Rock, but... Sitting through a whole Kevin Hart movie is going to be a little grating. Yeah, but then on Tuesday, you get to see Finding Dory, which I'm sure is going to be a cinematic genius pleasure. Well, it's going to be gorgeous because underwater is beautiful and especially animated. It's just, is it going to be like an hour and a half of Ellen DeGeneres being Ellen DeGeneres? Yes. 
But yeah, yeah, that's going to be a good like palate cleanser after see uh, the Central Intelligence to see uh, to see Finding Dory and at least have a good fun kids movie to watch. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you on Monday because we are going to talk Game of Thrones because if the shit hits the fan, I'm going to text you like that night. But I'm not going to text you because I don't want to spoil it for you. But like, like this is episode nine, man. This shit is going to be crazy. Well, I don't think I have anything this weekend, so I'll, I'll watch Game of Thrones live, especially since it's the big episode nine. And then you could uh, text me after and be like, uh, what the fuck just happened? Hi, <laughs> right, EJ. I will see you next week. Yep. See you next week. Thank you so much. Can't wait. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no. Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host EJ is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. All of you Android users out there, listen to our show on Stitcher. Additionally, there's this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world, plus the Monkey Fighting Robots podcast. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 78th episode. Oh my God, 78 episodes in of Monkey Fighting Robots. A success. Special shout out to my co-host EJ Marino for putting up with me. Jeff Shade is our creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The next place you'll find out is Tampa Comic Con. More details coming soon. The staff of Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the web, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Come to the Home Depot this month and you'll learn a thing. Or two. Actually, three. With three free do-it-yourself workshops. Learn how to install a faucet, how to improve your home's bathroom with easy bath updates, or if you like, learn all the skills you need to successfully install wall tile. See, it's never too late to learn something new. Register today at homedepot.com workshops for a do-it-yourself workshop near you. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing.